while he's back, uh, he's, he's, we're disconnected. We've been doing them face-to-face, but we're disconnected. But that's okay. We'll get back face-to-face. Uh, Rob Kerr, David Lake, uh, the We've Solved Nothing podcast here at sportcalgary.ca. Um, we, okay. What have you been up to, David, he asked knowingly. <laughs> that's right. So the conversation you and I just had off, offline was, what, what, what do we want to talk about this weekend? I said, it's going to be all about me, Rob. All about me. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, so I was thinking, as I want to do, I am an academic after all, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking about what we were going to talk about. And I was, you know, you, you talk about six degrees of separation and the interconnectedness of our quote unquote industry. Right. And I thought, you know what, like the, the last week of my life, I think is a, a microcosm of how as an industry it is broad, but yet in many respects, uh, connected and Mm -hmm. close. So what I'm going to do, Rob, if you'll allow me, is I'm going to walk through kind of what I've done in the last week, and we're going to make all these connections about our industry and where we're at with the current state of affairs and all that. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so number one, last week uh, we hosted our convocation. Um, at Mount Royal University, and uh, I'm the chair. It's called the Department of Health and Physical Education. And as a you know, a college, we transitioned to a university in 2010. So this is the first time that we've hosted a, a convocating class of our degree. And part of our degree, one of the programs, is called physical literacy. And so we were allowed to nominate an individual for uh, an honorary degree. And we decided to nominate Bret Hart. Right. Um, and he was successful. And so that's kind of the first storyline is, is talking about how we nominated a professional wrestler. Um, so there was a little bit of controversy in so far as that. Um, and one who had, you know, during the 90s made some perhaps misogynistic, some perhaps racial uh, comments that, you know, you know, in a wrestling, pro wrestling uh, scenario and in the 1990s context, perhaps we're, you know, not expected, but we're not unexpected in that time. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, we we recognize him as an expert in physical literacy, and then also just for all his philanthropic roles. And I started to notice that, you know, sport plays an interesting place within the realm of academia and recognizing people that make contributions to our society. And so I didn't want to just focus necessarily on Bret Hart. But people like Kaylee Wickenheiser mm-hmm. at the University of Calgary, who yep. was, who was uh, pre- presented with an honorary degree last night. Sheldon Kennedy, who we presented with an honorary degree from Mount Royal University a couple of years ago in our social work program, and who was honored by the University of Regina yeah. last night. Um, so sport constantly intertwines with society in in myriad of ways, not just in the winning of a Stanley Cup. Um, as the Washington Capitals did last night. And so that was kind of the first thing that I thought was kind of, you know, interesting in that we honor and we recognize people, Bret Hart, in part, and I would actually not even say in part, mostly because of his contributions to Calgary and our community through philanthropy um, and through, you know, addressing prostate cancer and the man ban um, and, and those sort of things. Uh, Haley Wickenheiser and her work with, you know, Humboldt Strong and yep. women's hockey and the promotion of women's sport. Uh, Sheldon Kennedy, you know, again, not being recognized for his contributions as a professional hockey player, but as a person who, 
you know, took on a social cause um, as it relates to coach abuse of, of young athletes and, and took that to a, a public discourse and a public level that I don't recall any other athlete in that particular context ever doing. So I thought that was kind of an interesting first kind of place of departure as far as this last week. Okay, so what I want to know, and and bear with me, you, you're you're going to intertwine all these conversations, so allow me this question that I might intertwine no. towards the end of it. I've always wondered, how does the selection process go for awarding such an honor, that an honorary degree? I mean, um, you know, sometimes you look at it from the outside and you go, so is this about publicity? What is this about? Can you just give us a little understanding yeah. of, of the process? Well, I think it's, I think it's a, there's probably a mix of motivations, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so certainly, you know, you want to have people of, uh, repute so that it gets coverage in the press because the you know, institution wants to use it as an opportunity to promote their brand. Right. So certainly, certainly there's an opportunity there. Institutions, though, also want to be very careful about making sure that they're associating themselves with people that they want to be associated with. Well, and I think the example of the University of Alberta nominating uh, David Suzuki um, and then him receiving the honorary degree, I think, just in the last couple of days. And if, if I'm not mistaken, I heard reports that people were booing that Correct. Um, as, as he received it at the University of Alberta. So, you know, the university wants to bring attention to itself. They want to associate themselves with people of great moral value and messages and, you know, those, those things that they want to be aligned with. Mount Royal University also presented one to Paul Brandt mm-hmm. uh, last week. So another example of an individual by which we want to be associated with. So it's a combination of marketing, but also obviously wanting, wanting to recognize uh, people's contributions to society and our communities that we live in beyond perhaps the ones that we sometimes think are the obvious choices. And the three athletes that we just talked about, uh, Haley Wickenheiser, uh, Bret Hart, and Sheldon Kennedy, I think are perfect examples of that. So it's, it's a nomination process. So in the, in the case of Bret Hart, it was myself and a colleague in the Mount Royal Marketing Department that kind of put our heads together and came up with that nomination. So uh, how do you equate it? Would you, l- let me ask you a very blunt question. David, would you yeah. rather be put into a Hall of Fame in your chosen gr- career path? Or mm. would you rather get an honorary degree? Because it seems to me... That, you know, I sit on a, a, a Hall of Fame board. I sit on the Alberta Hockey Hall of Fame. And it's it's amazing work, and I take it very seriously, and I think it's a great honor. I look at an honorary degree, now that you've explained it the way you have, in a very similar term. Which which would be more prestigious to you? Well, <laughs> knowing that I'm never... <laughs> Well, that's the beauty of this podcast, right? We have lots of creativity flexibility. Knowing that I'm never going to be inducted into a sports hall of fame of any any level, right? Um, I will say that it would be far more prestigious to receive an honorary degree from an academic institution. You know, like they're different things. And so, an athletics award to a hall of fame. Now, in most respects, although I know they often will add the category of builder or leader, mm-hmm. in many in many regards, and we hear this conversation all the time, right, with the baseball hall of fame, and that they'll say, well, you know, if you have hit this many home runs in your career, this many stolen bases, you are a lock for the hall of fame Correct. because the other people that have been inducted prior to you have also met this uh, met this this barrier. Whereas with academic um, honorary degrees, there really isn't so much of a, of a benchmark. I mean, it's, you know, a bit all over the map as far as contributions to 
society and culture. I guess it's more akin to an order of Canada. Um, and, you know, again, what is it that you've done that's mm-hmm. contributed to society? And then the examples that I've just talked about and, you know, kind of why I wanted to present it in our context here was through sport. And so looking at how sport can make a contribution to society as, as, as a whole. And then, and then you're going to have to work with me here because I'm going to start weaving all these stories together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but oh, go ahead. Yeah, go go ahead. Well, I just no, I just one. Allow me thirty seconds to just <laughs> talk about what? Bret Hart and what an amazing decision it was, and why this was so well earned. Because I think it is very easy to uh, dismiss and go, "Well, it's pro wrestling," but right. I don't think you can ever underestimate at the height of this man's career. He was voted, you know, the the top athlete in Germany, the most popular athlete in Germany. He was um, he was around the world, India. The, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 he was the modern incarnation, if you will, of what the heavyweight boxing champion was in the sixties and seventies, and yeah. that brought a lot of repute and it brought a lot of things to Calgary that. While you can dismiss the, the, you know, sports entertainment or wrestling or whatever you want, but his father's legacy, Stampede Wrestling, um, it it has always brought a focus. People know Calgary because of that, and I think it's it would be somewhat ludicrous and somewhat belittling to the legacy of not only Bret Hart but the Hart family to not recognize. And I know they've been recognized before, and here in Calgary it's a little bit different. But I I tip my hat to you, sir. I tip my hat to Mount Royal. It's well earned. You mentioned the, the the philanthropic, and absolutely, you know, the, he's had a couple of bumps along the road since, mm-hmm. um, you know, since he's left the the, the spotlight. But he's used his lingering uh, celebrity and gravitas to draw attention to it, and that's that's what heroes do, and that's what good people do. So kudos to you. Oh, thanks. I, you know, and I think Eric Francis made reference to him being potentially the most famous Calgarian. Um, yeah, you know, I guess that's a, that's a debatable point, certainly, but, uh, you know, he's right uh, there nationally on an international scale. I think that's, I, I think that's a, as good a choice as any. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So there's, there's stop number one. Where do we go All from right. here? So the second thing that I had an opportunity to participate in last week, which was fun for me anyways, was a panel, uh, that I sat on at the Thorncliffe community center, so mm-hmm. kind of in North central Calgary. And it was looking at the bid yep. uh, to host the 2026 Olympic and Paralympic Games. And so, again, this was another opportunity to talk about sport, but not so much in the context of, you know, higher, faster, stronger. Uh, and so not so much in the high performance sport performance aspect of it, but what can sport do? What is What's the meaning of sport? What's the value of sport? How does it allow Calgary, in this particular instance, to become better, to become something different? And so it was, again, a fascinating opportunity for me uh, to speak with three other panelists looking at there's something ahead of us. This is an opportunity. And maybe this is something that we want to grab hold of. And, and so the debate, really, there were, again, there were four of us speaking. I would say two came at it from a we should not bid perspective. The third person was, I would say, leaning towards we need to consider it. And then I was probably on the other end of the spectrum saying we should definitely look at it and definitely bid. Mm -hmm. And the arguments ranged from uh, economics. So the the one speaker was from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and, you know, he certainly spoke against it because of the just the cost, the sheer cost to the Canadian taxpayer. 
and the lack of perceived benefit uh, to the Canadian taxpayer. The second uh, gentleman was a former MLA and uh, an economist, and again, looked at it from an economics perspective. And then, you know, I would say that myself and the, the other speaker tried to look at it more from, let's not just look at the dollars and cents. Let's not just look at how much the, you know, the four and a half billion dollar budget, but let's look at this from why? What are the benefits? Um, and maybe those things aren't as easily measured as return on investment, as the impact on the taxpayer. Maybe, you know, the, the metrics of uh, a city legacy and um, a city's swagger was the term that I used, uh, a city's feeling of position within, a, within the broader global context. Maybe that's important too. And maybe a games and sport can be used for that purpose, but isn't necessarily something that's easy to measure. So that was my second stop. And again, kind of all intertwined on, you know, nominating a person like a Bret Hart, yeah. recognizing his value and his contributions to now talking about a bid. And, you know, again, this is certainly timely because of the naming of the chairman of the board for the bid code just yesterday. Um, this is part of our narrative, part of our conversation in the Calgary context as to what we can become and how sport can be used to perhaps change us for the better. So I, I want to ask you about a kind of, a, again, this is how my brain works. While you were up there, how would you describe the level of de debate? Was it modern day, you know, yeah, buts? Was it good old fashioned, you know, debating were the informations, were minds changed, were minds open to be changed? How would you describe that conversation as whole from your vantage point? Well, I, you know, I can only speak to how my mind, my mind worked. I do, I enjoy the conversation, and I'd like to think that I'm open-minded enough mm -hmm. to consider, you know, again, the cons, potentially, of a games. Right. Um, I... What's difficult, though, is, of course, people go in with biases. People go in with, uh, and it's the lens that you see things through. Correct. And so that, that impacts your perspective. And because of games such as an Olympic and a Paralympic Games is so massive and so long-term that it really is difficult uh, to, to, to truly understand it. And so you have to look at it through a lens in order to try and make sense of it all. Now, so whether or not, you know, anybody's minds were changed, um, I, I don't know about that. Um, people probably, it's not like most things, right? What they, what they hear that they want to hear supports their current view. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other is, is they discount. And, and part of it is, is this whole, you know, notion of fake news. and Exactly. Um, you know, so, you know, people, people, people make statements, myself included. I am certainly not um, above this. You know, make make statements of fact, which, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, are maybe are true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or they're inaccurate. Um, you know, so, you know, throwing out dollar figures and how much it's going to cost and why it's going to cost this. And, you know, and based on this study, this is true. But, right. ah, you know, if you look closely at things, sometimes that's not always as, as clear. Correct. And that's why I asked the question, because I think that is, as we move along and, and we go through this whole process, and, and we've talked at length about, you know, the evaluation and, and the cause and whether it's just and whether it's right. I do look at the world around me and I go, I wonder if 
if we can have an open conversation, you were there in the community. You had clearly opposing views. I just wonder what the atmosphere was like. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, and well, and the, and the atmosphere of the crowd was interesting, too, because there were certainly people that came who had a definite angle. Yeah. Like there were members in the audience from the no Olympic bid group. Right. Um, so they have, they have a clear agenda. There were others there that spoke um, who were very much in favor of us considering looking at a bid and the hosting of a game. So, yeah, certainly people came with agendas and with, uh, per, you know, preconceived notions of whether we should or should not. I think you're right, though. And, and so now going back to, you know, the comment of the, the, the chair of the Bidco board mm-hmm. being named yesterday, I think a big, a big part of his job and the board's job and the, you know, the formation of the Bidco itself is going to be, I don't want to say selling it, not a sales pitch. I think educating um, and allowing a conversation to unfold in a meaningful and a constructive way that doesn't become, you know, kind of how U.S. politics is right now. Correct. Whereby if, if you're a Republican, then you hate everything that's Democratic. And if you're a Democrat, you hate everything that's Republican. Right. I think the, 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 the Bitco chair is really going to have to navigate that idea of, respectful, meaningful discourse to come to an understanding as to whether or not this is the right thing for us to do. And if it is, it comes with risk, but we need to embrace it and move forward in the way, best way possible to benefit our city. Right. All right. So that's one, two, third stop. (laughs) Third stop. I got, and I have four total. Yep. Okay. Um, third stop was this past weekend. Mm-hmm. So on Saturday, I, I went up to Edmonton to participate in a conference at the University of Alberta on inclusive sport and recreation, but that's not what I want to talk about. <laughs> and then on Sunday, <laughs> um, in, I live in Cochrane, yep. as you well know, yep. and we hosted what's called Footstock, uh, which is our local community race weekend. And the, the Leg family has hosted a water station for, I don't know, I think seven years in a row or something like that. And it was the kids' triathlon on Sunday morning. And so we hosted our annual water station and I had a chance to, to kind of stand there and hand out water to kids as, as young as it. I, I mean, I don't really know, but they look kind of almost like six. Oh boy. Six seven. And I, I got such a kick out of those kids doing a triathlon because, you know, they'd come to the water station, they would stop and they'd take the water from me and they'd sip the water and they'd chat, <laughs> <laughs> you know, talk about how the race was going and you know, like how the day was and, you know, and our dog was there. So they wanted to know who our dog was. Uh, and I, I loved it. I just loved the idea of grassroots, small town, mm-hmm. community events, recreation, and people just out participating with really no thought and no interest and no concern about high performance sport. It was all about just the purity of being outside, being right. with your family, seeing your community, connecting with your community through a sporting event. And so to me, there was another level, there was another example of how sport, more so than anything else that I can often think of, um, it brings people together. And so we saw our neighbors, we saw you know the, the children of our friends um, here in Cochrane, and we cheered them on together and we collectively celebrated and supported all these young people, you know, just having fun. Um, and just being active. And I, I thought that was glorious and awesome. I just loved every minute of it. What I think about when I hear you tell that is that 
I don't know if it's a missed opportunity, but it, it almost really, well, because you said it was, but it relates back to the previous topic, which is this whole idea of, you know, what are we focused on? Well, we're, we're focused on the Olympics. That means all of the conversation seems to be about elite athletes. So we'll continue to build elite uh, facilities and things like that. But we have to look beyond that, the, the role of sport socially and just get out and play. I think we spend so much time uh, in conversations about elite and and you know the high performance component of sport we need to be telling people it's okay to go back out to your fields and run around it's okay to have a a family picnic and take a football and throw it um it just seems like you know i know there's always that danger of going well you know what are you trying to turn it back into the 50s well before technology and before all of those things when we occupied ourselves we occupied ourselves with sport and it's healthier it's just healthier Agreed. And not only was it good enough, it was better. Right. Um, right. Then, you know, maybe the, you know, going to an NFL football game, um, yep. you know, it didn't need the pomp and circumstance. It didn't need the, you know, the fireworks and the, you know, the boom bar and all the, all the accoutrements that come along with sport at its very basic level on a Sunday morning on our, you know, our pathway systems here in Cochrane on the mm-hmm. Bull River, it was awesome. Right. Um, and I couldn't have, I just couldn't have imagined a, you know, a better way to kind of have spent my Sunday morning than, than doing just that through a community kind of recreation experience. But David, so, you know what we need to do? We need to somehow convince that group of people that has to financially attach a number or a figure to everything about the value <laughs> of that. Right. Yeah. But just looking at the Olympics, the, the, the possibilities, the spaces that will be opened up, the, the just the, the things that we can do as a community beyond 2026. We have to value that. We have to mm-hmm. if we need to, we need to assign a value to that. If, if that's what the bean count and I, I don't mean to call names and things like that, but that seems to be what this is all about. The, the, the crux of it is the finances. So if we're, we're counting the beans here, if we're trying to make sure we understand it, at some point we do have to give some sort of value to just the ability to go out and play. Yes. And the difficult part is, is is measuring that, right. quantifying that, and right. people have people have made the suggestion that hosting Olympic and Paralympic games actually does not result in increased grassroots participation. That there's no mm-hmm. cause and effect. There's no correlation between the two. Correct. But sometimes it's distal. Sometimes it's hard to measure the cause and effect relationship. Like, how do we know, or how do we not know yeah. that you know the families that were participating in this triathlon didn't somehow somehow have an impact from the 88 um, well, Olympic Games I, and, and Calgary hosting them. Like, it, it's, it's really difficult to say that that didn't have an impact. But see, I think, it's, I think that whole argument is BS. I think it's bunk, and, and I can draw I, – I think I can take a, a felt marker and draw a direct link. And, and I, okay, so you've been telling me about your week. Let me just share one thing with you. On Wednesday night at the Beltliner, I was at a, a fundraiser for the Calgary Police Foundation, and the speakers were Katrina LeMay-Doan, Cassie Campbell-Pascal, and Cindy Clausen. Now, I know this because as the second MC, my job was to show their medals around the entire room. There were eight <laughs> medals in that room. Um right. And those girls could all directly point to an Olympian prior to them. And I think we can point directly to what Cassie's done, particularly what Katrina and Cindy have done um, in their role modeling. 
And then we look at the last two Olympics, both summer and winter. Who are dominating for us? Who 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 are really carrying the weight of the Canadian hopes? The female athlete, right? And if we has anybody done a better job of empowering the female athlete than the country of Canada in the Olympics? I I, I just do not I do not buy. My God, Willie DeWitt made me go into a boxing gym for a year. I watched <laughs> Willie DeWitt, and I wanted to be a boxer. Now, it didn't last, yeah. but I tried it. So I, I just think that is such BS when people try to make that assertion, because I think there's definitely, there is a, a quantifiable, quantifiable relationship between Olympics and the grassroots you know, inclusion of sport. Well, and even beyond sports. So you think about those three women that you just mentioned, Correct. and you know Haley Wickenheiser, who we talked about sure. earlier. Yeah. The impact on young girls and young women. Period. Right. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about just sport. Um, I'm talking about their own self-esteem and their own growth and their own development and, mm-hmm. and self-worth, etc. Now, I think I think Canada is perceived as a leader. Yeah. Um, in this regard. Could you make the argument, and I think you can, that a lot of this has to do with sport? Yes. And and how how we have used sport as a means by which to do exactly that. Well, it's been, don't you, th- and now easy for two men like us of our age to sit here and lecture people about the women's movement, but don't you think that one of the biggest gender equality movers has been sport? It's been hockey. It's been the creation of women's hockey. Part of what Sport Calgary does, we've got All Sport One Day coming up, but we also have All Sport One City comes up in January, which is for adults to try new sports. And we had Katrina LeMaydone on the podcast this a couple weeks ago, a week ago, talking about that particular event. And there seems to be, it really seems to strike a chord with older women that they want to try new sports. And I think, and, and part of that, I think, is because they weren't allowed in their youth. And now they, they are empowered to do it. And, and I think, I think the vehicle hub sport has probably had as much to do with the equality movement in our particular country. And again, I, I refer to the fact that this is an outsider. This is somebody just looking at it, but it's something I'm particularly proud of, of what we've done in the last 20 years. No, no, no. Agreed. And, you know, so then can sport be used for other means to address other uh, social challenges, um, you know, that we face and that we continue to face and that we have not yet solved. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that we've solved, you know, a a women's gender. Not at all. Not at all. Um, but I think, I think sport has allowed that conversation to take place and has used exam and allows us to, to see examples of where change can happen, um, and how it should happen. So the, the last thing that I want to talk about, okay far as events go, is on Monday, I had an opportunity to volunteer at the Global Athlete Forum uh, that Becky Scott helped organize and mm-hmm. host, you know, talking about another great female Absolutely. leader and exemplar of, of, uh, of, of, of women in sport um, here in Calgary. And so it was the first time ever um, that this forum was hosted by the World Anti-Doping Association and the Canadian Olympic Committee, and it was by invitation only and included athletes from around the globe who were coming together to talk about clean sport and fair sport and wanting sport to be an exemplar of participating and competing and performing, but in a fair and equitable and doping-free way. And the, the speakers that they had were fabulous, and the conversations were incredible. Um, and just the, you know, the real-life 
examples of the doping Russians, uh, the Russian doping, the Russian doping scandal, and the impacts that that has had on sport and can continue to have, and how there are people championing, championing the idea of clean sport and using sport as a model by which the rest of us can look at and say, you can compete on a on a fair fair way without. Uh, concern or, you know, the ideal being without concern of cheating right. um, and that it can be, it can be done in a way that's uh, good um, and, that, and that sport doesn't need to be perceived as, you know, including the kind of the, uh, I don't know, the, the, the negative aspects mm-hmm. of, of our society. Right. So, so those are the four events and they all to me kind of connected and looked at we're talking about sport, but we're not talking about sport. Um, we're talking about our communities. We're talking about our society. Yep. And we're talking about how sport can be an exemplar, can be an example, can be the mechanism by which we understand ourselves and understand who we want to be. And I, and I guess I, I came to that decision to talk about this today because too often, I find anyways, um, we focus on the, the negatives. Um, we are quick, quick to criticize. We're quick to find fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're quick to uh, say that this is a waste of money and a waste of our interest. When to me, I see so much good and I see so much potential in the industry from its broadest perspective. Oh, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I mean, if you even zero in a little, little bit further, how much of what we just talked about is, is Calgary centric? I mean, how much of this is, you know, we ought to really appreciate that, the, again, our image worldwide mm-hmm. is, you know, mm-hmm. you just talked about it, the best of the best assembled here in Calgary to have one of the most important conversations that are, yeah. are uh, what are we all about here? So people are looking to us, people are, are looking to this city. In in some cases, I, I don't know how much of 88 I can relate to Bret Hart. However, in 88, Stampede Wrestling was just nearing its heyday. Um, but but all of this, the value of it. And and to me, yeah, you, you balance it beautifully, I think, with a grassroots story. And then here you have the highest performing athletes in the world coming here. You You have that idea of debate and conversation centered around sport, but that's a societal issue right now. And I think, you know, how I feel about this. I, uh, that's one of the things that keeps me up at night. Are we building walls around each other? Are we building, you know, are we losing sight of what uh, an opinion is and what a fact is yet sport allows us to at least exercise those muscles. That's a pretty amazing week for you. I have to say, I agree. It was, um, and I, yeah, I'm grateful for, you know, these opportunities that they presented to me, but I, I just thought it was kind of a neat kind of touchstone mm-hmm. of, of how sport connects yep. and how it intertwines and how it has impact on, you know, and you, know, you and I are in the quote, the quote unquote industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but all the stuff I talked about had its tentacles in every part of our community here. And so, you know, there wasn't, there isn't a segment that it didn't somehow touch, um, or, or, or won't touch. Um, and so I thought that was just kind of an interesting perspective on the importance of sport. We, we minimize it, I think, to our own disadvantage, um, and that it can have powerful impacts for mm-hmm. the good. Um, and we need to sometimes, I think, recognize that and focus on those things, 
uh, as opposed to just finding fault after fault after fault. Yeah, and, and I would also suggest that we need to champion it too. That, you know, it's great fodder for debate and conversation when it comes to the highest levels, professional sports, we love that sort of thing. But we also, we need to do a better job even in the sports community. I think that's part of what this platform is to say, hey, you know uh-huh. what? Going to Cochrane every year at this time and, and watching some kids try triathlon or participate in a triathlon and just have fun being kids and running and jumping and all of those sort of things. There's value in that too. You know, it's not yeah. equitable, right? The NHL yeah. carries more weight than that, but in yeah. the end of the day, in terms of quality of life in our city, uh, there should be a little bit more of a shared value. Yeah. Agreed. I agree completely. So did we solve something this time? No, no, he didn't. No, the battle continues, um, David. The battle continues. And my, my worry is if we ever say yes, then, you know, we're out of an <laughs> yeah. opportunity to talk. No, so we I, just, and I, I, I enjoy our conversations. I don't want that to happen. We just need to change the title of the podcast. <laughs> He's David. I'm Rob. We've solved nothing, everybody.